Good morning. My name is Lorraine. Today's scripture is from Mark 2, 1 through 12. And I invite you to stand if you're able as I read. The version is the Common English Bible. After a few days, Jesus went back to Capernaum and people heard that he was at home. So many gathered that there was no longer space, not even near the door. Jesus was speaking the word to them. Some people arrived and four of them were bringing to him a man who was paralyzed. They couldn't carry him through the crowd, so they tore off part of the roof above where Jesus was. When they had made an opening, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Child, your sins are forgiven. Some legal experts were sitting there, muttering among themselves, Why does he speak this way? He's insulting God. Only the one God can forgive sins. Jesus immediately recognized what they were discussing, and he said to them, Why do you fill your minds with these questions? Which is easier, to say to a paralyzed person, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your bed, and walk? But so you will know that the human one has authority on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus raised him up, and right away he picked up his mat and walked out in front of everybody. They were all amazed and praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Yes, uh, I'm Pastor Dave Sim, pastor here at Renew Church, and welcome everybody. We are in the middle of a Mark series. We're not in the middle, we're at the beginning because we're only at chapter two. Um, but we are talking about what it means to be in the Jesus way and become followers of Jesus um, and what the gospel is and what Jesus was about when he was saying, proclaiming the gospel and, say, and uh, healing and forgiving sins. So today we'll be talking about healing and forgiveness uh, from Mark chapter 2, as Lorraine read. Um, but previously, I put previously in Acts, but it's previously in Mark. Did I say Acts before? I think I said Mark. Uh, we're in Mark. Uh, previously in Mark, Jesus is going around preaching the good news in Galilee, and the scripture says that the, what he's saying is the kingdom of God is near, has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Um, in verse 16, and, and basically uh, what I see Mark doing here, what Mark's doing in this gospel is revealing or demonstrating Jesus' authority. Um, the word authority, exousia in Greek, is authority. And um, we see in verse 16, we're reviewing right now, uh, in chapter 1, verse 16, Jesus calls the disciples and disciples immediately drop their nets and follow him, right? There's something compelling. There's something maybe authoritative in how he recruits people, that people are willing to let go of something and just drop everything and follow him. The second place of authority in verses 21, 22, it says people are amazed as Jesus speaks 
as one with authority in the synagogues. And we, we talked about the synagogues are as you know, places of worship, but also community centers where all the common people, people from all around came and gathered. And sometimes it was even uh, a refuge for travelers or people without homes to come and stay. Um, and Jesus regularly went to the synagogues, not only to teach the scriptures, but also, as we see in the beginning of Mark, was doing healings um, and, and freeing people um, from evil. So the people, when Jesus speaks, are amazed by Jesus because he speaks with authority. So calling your disciples, authoritative. Teaching the scriptures, authority. There's something unique about Jesus' authority. And 1, 23 to 26, we have the interaction with the man possessed with the demon. Jesus has the authority. He says, silence, right? The demon calls out his name, and Jesus says, brother, be quiet, right? Be quiet, silence, and sent it on its way. And the, the demon says, the demon left the man tre trembling and then shrieking as it went away. Uh, verse 27 People began, again are amazed, and what they, they ask, what is this? What's going on here? This is something we haven't experienced before. Is this a new teaching? And he's even doing it with authority and casting out demons. Um, but what we didn't talk about, uh, we ended there, what we didn't talk about in chapter 1 is that after this, Jesus goes on a healing spree, uh, the latter part of chapter 1. Uh, and in the words of the great Marshawn Lynch, it's all about the action boss, right? We see that immediately, you know, that word immediately continues throughout uh, Mark. And Jesus is going from one action to another action. And more than just his words, he's demonstrating his authority through things happening. And it makes me think of God, the God at creation in Genesis 1, uh, God in his word also made something be, right? His word was action, and it came to be, and it was good. And so a lot of people, like, you know, my kids and my family know that when I say something, it doesn't always really happen, right? I can say something, but it's not always followed by action. But authority, God's authority and Jesus' authority is demonstrated in his actions that back up his word. So that's why I put the Marshawn Lynch quote there. It's all about that action boss. And so what happens in verses 29 through 31 is that Jesus goes back to Simon Peter's home um, and heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Um, she goes on to host them and be hospitable. Then in 32 to 34, uh, that same evening after the Sabbath was over, the whole town gathers at their door. The whole town gathers at the door of Simon Peter's mother-in-law's home, and Jesus basically does a healing service, right, through the night. And then we get this little kind of break. In the morning, it says Jesus gets away to a solitary place, and I think he's praying, he's resting, he's recuperating. But then the disciples come, interrupt him, and say, everyone is looking for you! And he's like... Uh, okay. Oh, at least I would be like that. Maybe Jesus is like, okay. Um, but, uh, and then in 38 and 39, Jesus says, let's go. Because I'm supposed to go and preach to the other towns about the good news. 
So they go from synagogue to synagogue throughout the area of Galilee. Um, and Jesus says, for this is why I have come. Um, so it's the, the Jesus world tour. I mean, we've heard in the news and all over the place, you know, the Twa Taylor Swift tour, right? It's big. How many of you went when she was in? No, okay. No one went. Neither did I. But for other people, it's big, I guess. Uh, but this is the Jesus healing tour, which was much bigger, uh, I can imagine. And uh, he's basically becoming a rock star among the people who are seeking healing, who are seeking good news, who are seeking transformation in their heart. And then a more extended story happens at the end of chapter 1. Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Um, and after he heals the man with leprosy, he tells him not to tell anyone. Uh, but the man with leprosy ends up going to telling everyone, right? Just proclaiming it everywhere. And it says, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet, people still came to him from everywhere. So the word is spreading about Jesus and the good news of the kingdom of heaven and uh, probably more so these healing works, these stories of miracles that are happening and people being healed left and right. And people want to be a part of that, want to, they're beginning to hope that maybe, just maybe if I can touch Jesus or Jesus can just put his gaze on me, I too can be healed. And you know, one of the things I reflected on as I was going through uh, this, the first two chapters of Mark, is that the needs of our world are overwhelming, aren't they? Like, even we can't escape it, right? Even if we were to go in a lonely place and shut off our social media, turn off the news, we still know that people are in need. There's conflict in the world, there's violence in the world, there's disease in the world. In our own homes, there's a need for healing. Um, and sometimes these needs can be overwhelming, right? And if we open, just open that valve, right? And I'm scared to open that valve and to see what's wrong or to even begin to care or um, minister to that, it's as if, it all comes out in an endless, overwhelming stream, right? Who can carry all of this? Who can carry it? Who can shoulder this burden? And even Jesus in all his authority and all the power and the real action that's backing up um, everything that he says seeks the silence and lonely, loneliness of places uh, for rest and reprieve. And we're not Jesus, right? So that's one, one thing that I glean from this is relax, right? Relax, be still and know that he's God. And as much as there are burdens in the world, we can't shoulder them all. Um, but we can turn to God and say, what now? What now? Amen? Um, so now we're at the top of chapter 2. Jesus heals the paralytic. Back in those days, the roofs were flat, and they're made of thatch and mud, most of them. The, the, you know, the regular, everyday, common folk, people, 
the roofs were flat on top. They're made of thatch and mud. Um, it was kind of like almost like viney. And people would often sleep on the roofs, right? And there would be ladders on the side of the houses. And so when the friends of this paralytic, paralyzed man uh, wanted to bring him to Jesus to be healed, it says that there were so many people gathered uh, around the house that they couldn't even press in. They couldn't get in. So what they did was carried this man up a ladder on top of the roof and dug through the top of the, loop, uh, the roof and lowered the man front and center in front of Jesus. And I can imagine that this was hard, just kind of pushing someone up to the second story of a, built, of a home, um, difficult labor, and it definitely required persistence and motivation. If they didn't care about the man or, you know, it was just, uh, let's do a good deed, but it started to get really rough and hard, especially as they were almost falling off the ladder, maybe they, they would have given up. Maybe they would have said, ah, it's not worth it. Uh, look at their watch and let, we should just go on our way and pray for you and you know, wish, you, wish you luck. But they, they persisted and they were motivated. Um, the man is on the outside, right? Physically, socially, emotionally, right, on the outside as, as someone who is paralyzed, uh, unable to move for himself, also on, on the outside of society and outcasts. And we'll go into this more about the purity uh, codes and the purity culture um, at this time. But he suddenly brought from the outside to the center of attention with Jesus. And I'd imagine he's not used to it, right? He's like, here I am, breaking through. And Jesus, right, he's with Jesus, the center of it all, the center of uh, why everyone's gathered. And Jesus admires their faith and says to the man, or he says to them like, your, your sin, or he admires their faith and he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Um, and there's two issues with Jesus saying, your sins are forgiven, right? First, by what authority does Jesus have to forgive the man's sins? And this is the issue that makes the scribes in verse 6 through 7, they start grumbling. Who is this? Who is this person that he... Forgive sins. No one has authority to forgive sins. The second issue is, or what makes us wonder is, what is the relationship between sin and infirmity? Right? There's some, there seems to be some sort of correlation, at least, between healing and forgiveness, because it's what's in the story, right? Jesus first says, your sins are forgiven. And then, after the grumbling, Jesus, knowing what the scribes are thinking, says, well, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, uh, what's easier to do? To say your sins are forgiven, or to say to this man, get up, take your mat, and walk. And then he heals, he heals the uh, paralytic, saying, take your mat and walk. It's both the word and the action. 
coming here. So what's this relationship? Is it, does Jesus need to heal people's sins? Do people need to be forgiven their sins before they're healed, right? Is, are our infirmities, our sicknesses, our diseases, are they related to our sin? Like somehow, because I sinned, this is why bad things happen to me. Sometimes I think, even though I know that's not true theologically, it's in my personal theology, right? We kind of have those kind of little, uh, maybe superstitious theologies, right? Something bad, everything bad is going on in my life. And it's like the Jonah factor, right? When Jonah was on the ship running away from God and the storms came and the, the sailors got all crazy and they were like, who sinned? We're in this mess. Tell us now. Repent so God can call the waters. And we think that way sometimes. When things are going bad in our life, we're like, what, did I, what have I been doing wrong? How have I been sinning? I need to get out, vile spot. I need to clean myself. I need to get straight. I need to get rid of this pattern of sin in my life. And then God will bless me. And then God will bless me, right? That's really problematic, right? Because then we can extend to every natural disaster that happens or, you know, earthquakes that happen. We, you've heard preachers say, oh, what did those people do to make natural disasters come upon them, right? It's, it's, it's just the next step. And it's not correct theology, but it's sometimes how we feel inside, right? And we can feel this can extend to church, for instance, you know, I talk to people so, so much. I invite them to church. Come to church. I haven't seen you a while. Let's, you know, come to church. And they're like, ah, uh, I'm not right in my life right now. And there's a sense that until I clean my act up in my life, I can't come to church, right? I'll stay over here. And then when I clean up, I can come to church again when I feel right with myself. No! No, Jesus said, I didn't come for, what did he say? For the, <laughs> this, is when, this is what happens when you go off your notes. I didn't come for those who are well, right? Basically, I came for the sick in the world to, to heal those who are sick. And lest we say we need to be perfect, no one's perfect in this room, right? I'm not even perfect in this room. I shouldn't be at church if that were the case much less speaking, right? But God is here for us to meet us where we're at, to extend his loving grace and healing touch and to fill the places of hunger in us and to say, I love you. You belong. That's why we put welcome home. You belong here. Come as you are. And the hope is, as a community, we're not a community that judges or pushes people away, but we're a community that says, hey, I'm broken, you're broken, life is hard, I stumble, I make mistakes, but God is good, amen? And we continue to walk together in humility and receive from him, amen? So something is going on here. On the one hand, I think uh, there's this sense that Jesus doesn't want the crowds to come uh, because he tells, like, 
the, the guy at the end of chapter one, don't tell anyone, right? But the, the man does, and then everyone starts coming. He's like, okay, right? So he's kind of like, whoa, put on the brakes, put on the brakes. And yet the mess, people can't help but tell the message, oh, t- talk about Jesus, tell everyone about Jesus. And they're coming, and they're coming. And I think um, the closest analogy I have is when I was uh, in Mexico on a uh, six-week project in Mexico, uh, we were doing VBS for kids, and I was the crazy guy, right? Like playing with all the kids, and they would start jumping on me and pulling on me, and I'm like, you can't tackle me, right? But after a while, I began to feel dirty, right? A little dirty, because it didn't feel like they wanted to see me or they're having fun with me, me, David. They, because they started like ripping my shirt and like, ah, it just became like a mob sometimes. And, and then I began to realize they're just out of control, but they're, they're not getting the VBS message, right? I'm, they're not getting my love and what I'm trying to offer them, right? And it's just getting out of hand. And I, I feel like there's the tension there, right? People are wanting to be healed. The throng is coming and miracles are happening, but that's not why, the only reason why Jesus has come. If you remember, Jesus says, Let's go preach to the other places the good news and the gospel. That is why I've come. I've come to spread the gospel. Yes, the good news, part of that is we have the power to heal, to heal you. But also, what else has Jesus come with authority? He's come with authority in his teaching. He's come with in authority with his calling of the disciples. He's come in authority with healing people, Right? So not only is it healing and freeing people, but also teaching the word and calling disciples to himself to drop what they're doing and follow him, right? That's, the, that's ultimately like his three-pronged mission. So it's not just, so there's a sense like the crowds are awesome, but, right? Sometimes the crowds become a mob and it's just what they can get from me. What have you done for me lately? What trick do you have up your sleeve? Can you do this for me? I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. Um, So that's one thing that's happening. Um, But Jesus, being loving, you know, continues to heal, continues to have compassion uh, for the people who are coming. The other thing that I... uh, think it's happening not only on the individual, individuals being healed and they're happy and their lives are changed, but there's a systemic, there's a systemic thing that Jesus is confronting. He's, he's confronting a systemic reality. And there's two kind of things about that systemic reality, right? It's one, um, let me gather my notes here. Um, there's, a, there's a reality, uh, a, a purity code in the culture happening at the time, and there's also an economic social reality. So uh, the purity culture that's happening, it's not the purity culture of the 90s and the early 2000s, okay? Though it might be of similar effect. Um, but the purity, the purity kind of codes is obviously, right? Uh, if you have disease or you you're, have some sort of malady, then you're declared unclean, 
and you are ostracized from the community until you can become clean again. And these are all kind of based on the Levitical laws and the laws that the temple and the priests have established. And it's the priest who declare, who do ritual cleansing and examine the person who's been healed or who's kind of gone through their uncleanness. It's a priest that declares this person clean again and they can enter back in. And part of that is also that kind of theology that if someone has a disease or a sickness, it's because somehow, somewhere along the way, whether it's their family or in their life, they've sinned, right? There's a connection to like cause and effect. Living a sinful life, that's why you're cursed. And so you need to be separated because you're unclean until you're clean, right? And that's what happens with Jesus and the uh, man with leprosy right, at the end of chapter 1. Go to the priest and show yourself so he can declare you clean again and you can enter back in. Jesus is confronting that, right? And Jesus is confronting that by saying, if you notice your sins are forgiven, um, it's actually passive, uh, in the passive tense, so it's, it can be it's already been done. Not that Jesus forgave their sins or even that God forgave their sins, but your sins are already forgiven, right? There was nothing wrong with you in the first place, right? There was nothing wrong with you in the first place. God has forgiven your sins. That's, right? And I want to tell you that. You're good. That's not why you're sick. And the other uh, kind of system or systemic kind of oppression, um, and this is the justice piece because I always want to bring the justice piece into it, that there's an economic reality. And the economic reality is the, the word for crowd that Mark uses uh, has a, a connotation of uh, the commoners, right? The common crowd, the throng, and not, you know, leaders or the aristocracy, but just a gathering, a throng of common people. And we, we know that, that in the synagogues, the poor and the destitute were coming to Jesus, right? And here, people who are wanting to be healed uh, are coming to Jesus or who are possessed are coming to Jesus. Um, and we know that those who were sick or had demons would have been ostracized and declared unclean. Uh, and if they were sick, they wouldn't be able to work. If they were day laborers, they wouldn't be able to work, right? And oftentimes uh, in that time, um, and at that time, there was a high percentage of people living in poverty who weren't working, and people would take out loans just to make it through uh, their lives, and then they'd take out loans to pay for the loans. Uh, if they were landowners working on land, they would... Uh, get loans, if they wouldn't be able to pay it back, they would have to give up their land, and they had to pay all of the taxes either way, right? The Roman excise tax, the, the temple tax, all of these taxes, right? So people could not get out of that vicious cycle, and if you were, if you couldn't pay uh, back your debts, you were, you know, put into prison, oftentimes executed, and so there's this vicious cycle of poverty and oppression, right? And these are the people who are sick, who need healing, who need 
demons cast out of them that are coming to the synagogues, coming to Jesus, wanting to be freed from this. And guess what? Guess who held the power to forgive people of their debts? It was, it was the priests in the temples, right? The scribes and the Pharisees, right? They had the power to say, your debts are forgiven, right? You're free. They ha also had the power in the purity codes to declare someone clean again, right? So I can set you free of your debt, your economic bondage, and I can set you free from your sin bondage, right? So when the, when the religious leaders are getting angry at Jesus, it's because he's confronting this system. He's naming the system. He's hitting it where it hurts, where they have control, where they have power. Are you with me, church? Uh, let me make this bigger. There's a, um, there's a writer named Ched Myers um, who's kind of writing about this, these economic and impurity codes um, at the time. And this impurity or sin um, and this economic reality made gave the people exclusion from full status in the body politic is what he writes and um so he kind of points out the economic disparity that's happening and jesus uh is attacking the system so my question for us is, who do we think, who do you think that Jesus is? And this is a question that'll come up in Mark and later in Mark. Who do you say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Who do you think that Jesus is, right? Is he the cosmic, right, vending machine that, you know, in your darkest times that he's been your go-to prayer person, right? God. I know I don't pray a lot, and I've been going to church, but I really need you now. Help me, right? Get me this job. I need it, right? Is he a good, good teacher? Just a rabbi like pe people saw him back in the day? Like, man, Jesus has good practical teaching about how to love and be a peaceable person and recon be reconciled and like everyone, basically. And it's a good way to live. Right? Or is Jesus Lord over all? Amen. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Because in this, we see a Jesus that has authority, right? His word and action are the same, right? And things happen when he's around. And he's bringing good news to the people. And they're, they're coming because something is being unleashed, right? They didn't have access. There wasn't an access point for them to receive healing and forgiveness and new life in the system that they were living in. And Jesus is like, this ain't right, right? 
there's all this water in this tank of my kingdom and people are lapping up dirty poopy water in the corner on their hands and knees and trying to suck up and what they're sucking up dust and meanwhile people are here with all the, the reservoir of water the people in power and they've dammed it up right all the salmon and all the nice things are here right they're fishing yeah fish 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 and they're doling out there's a little faucet you can have some you can have some nah you're out of that you're out of the pool you're dirty you're dirtying the pool you're pooping in the pool right and the people are here but here comes jesus it's free God is free. Why, why are you, these obstacles? Why are you putting these walls up? Why are you keeping people from having access? Why are you controlling this? Right? And that's what the religious leaders, that's why they're so angry at Jesus. They're like, we control the cleanliness. We control the forgiveness. Who's righteous and who's not righteous. And who are you to say this person is clean? Who are you to say this person is forgiven? And really, it's because they feel small inside. And they're like, oh, you're taking away the place where we have control. Right? And where we're controlling people. It's the place where we feel we have authority. Right? In the way that the world sees authority. Strength might the pooling of resources right riches religious manipulation and coercion right that's on that side and jesus is saying no come to the fountain the father's arms are open wide come come don't you want this right we all need to be healed we, I need to be healed, right? Uh, this morning in our pr morning prayer time, we did a, a, like body, be body, like a, a, a body worship, or body prayer, not body worship, body prayer, where we're, we like relax and breathe and became aware of, you know, what are the things that in your body that, uh, and as we were kind of meditating, I just was weeping. I was crying. I was like, what is this? You know, this is messed up. Um, and good at the same time and cathartic at the same time. Um, but the body part that came up for me was my shoulder. So it's my left shoulder. My right shoulder has been really, really bad um, because I dove in ultimate frisbee and, and uh, you know, I have old man tendons and yeah, it just doesn't move. That's why I haven't been moving my arms up. In the benediction, I'll probably go this high and not fully, um, or do the Tyrannosaurus arms. Because <laughs> my shoulders, <laughs> I can't lift them. But now it's my, anyways, long story short. It's my left, left side of my shoulder that's hurt now too, and I felt, and last night while I was playing Ultimate Frisbee, it's because I dove and landed on my shoulder. And so it jacked up this shoulder, and you know, 
I'm 48 and I'm run, running around with 22 year olds and 25 year olds and part of me felt really insecure, right? That whole night yesterday, like I'm breaking down, I'm getting old, I'm the weakest link, right? Everyone wants me off their team and like every little words people say, it's like, oh, cause they think I suck, right? Every mistake, I was dwelling on every mistake. And then I was Googling, why do I feel so insecure and paranoid? And all these things were coming up. And uh, um, and this morning, it was just God being invited into just being with that, right? And holding that and letting God, like, there's nothing I can do about it, Right? I was like, how can I get on the ultimate discord and like tell a joke and see if people like me or not, you know? It's like, no, like just be, be with that. And what is that insecurity in you? Like, what, what are you feeling about aging or not being able to compete in every aspect of your life? Like, what does it mean to just be still? Um, and so I come to you in this place, a broken vessel, right? That uh, I, even as I speak words, I have insecurities and I struggle with authority and I struggle with whether or not I'm the weakest link or whether or not I'm doing things wrong in my life and that's why things are happening to me. And the message, the good news for me is Jesus has healing and love and it's free. And there's nothing I have to do except take my palate and stand up. As he says, you're healed, right? To live into the healing of Jesus Christ, amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for... Thank you for the faith of this man's friends who were persistent and took him before Jesus and the faith of this man to um, come, want to come before you. Uh, but what we do is move towards you. What you do is so much more. And we cannot heal ourselves. We cannot clean ourselves. But you have already and are doing this and will continue to do this in our lives and the lives of people around us. So thank you. Thank you. Help us to receive your good news. Help us to receive the healing you have for us. Help us to be open and honest uh, about what's going on in us. Um, help us to listen to our bodies even to tell us what's going on in our souls and to reach out to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have authority over heaven and earth and all things on the earth um, to lift us up and make us new again. In Jesus' name, amen.